Mosley on Anything Goes. Greg, and joining us in studio, uh, comedian Gilbert Gottfried is here. Finally, Gilbert, how are you doing? Ah, uh, yes, and this is Anything Goes. This is Anything The show goes. that is uh, for and about Cole Porter's songs. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's uh, anything to do with Cole Porter. On XM Radio. Uh, yeah, this you, is your source. You, you know, speaking of the song, Anything Goes. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in the commercials for Malcolm X or X, whatever that was called. Right. They they have this thing that Malcolm X got famous for, saying that uh, you know we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Right. Plymouth Rock landed on us. That is in the opening verse of the song "Anything Goes." Is it really? Yeah, they so said. He's a thief. In, yeah, instead of leading, landing on Plymouth Rock, Plymouth Rock will land on us. That's the opening verse. Of anything goes. Wow. If you could find a copy of it. I will. Yeah. And now we know Malcolm X was a hack. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, a, definitely a hack songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> and now, let's get to a new exciting show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? Show me on the dial where the bad man touched you. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? And Dave Martin. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. Can you dig it? Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Anything Goes for the week of July 17th, 2013. My name's Dave Martin. Uh, in the studio with me, uh, like every week, is uh, Darren Frost. And uh, I want to make one quick announcement before we go on. Is that, uh, once again, we are the only show in the history of SiriusXM <laughs> to be nominated for a Canadian Comedy Award twice uh, in a row. Yes. Uh, two years uh, in a row running. And, oh, imagine uh, if we get it next year. Uh, yeah. That's possible, yeah, too. Yeah. That could happen as well. Um, and uh, please go to uh, the CanadianComedyAwards.ca, and you can vote for us. Yes. Uh, we will begin a, a brand-new, long, uh, annoying campaign for votes soonish. And, Darren? and just so everyone knows, it's one of the only categories that anyone in the public can uh, vote for. So uh, don't feel if you think that you're not a member or anything, because uh, the website talks a lot about how you have to be a member to vote. But for the Best Radio Clip pro- Program uh, nomination, you do not have to be any in industry member or anything just a general public can vote for us so please do that uh, our guest this week we have uh, Paul Morrissey uh, in from Los Angeles is doing a bit of a, a northern tour uh, for three or four weeks he's Canadian uh, playing stretch a Canadian stretch uh, playing Toronto Montreal and two weeks in Ottawa and also uh, we did a phoner with uh, someone who's uh, doing the Canadian American uh, sorry the Canadian amazing race so if you're a fan of that show we uh, took some time to uh, talk to uh, Jody Minnick and we'll get to that in a second. And uh, Dave, what, where were you on the weekend? Uh, I was in uh, I was in Vaughn, uh, the the horror show, the House of Horrors that you uh, yeah, were the week before, uh, last yeah. week. 
they fixed their air conditioning Good. Uh, the day before, which I was like, oh, you kind of got a little short, but sure. uh, they had it. Uh, they had it going on, and... Uh, yeah, uh, good shows all weekend, surprisingly well-behaved bachelor parties, where it's like, you know, when you show up to a club and they're immediately like, uh, well, you got some bachelor parties here, and you can just, like, every yeah. every comic's face drops, because you're like, oh, man, they're going to want to be a part of the show, and uh, it's going to just be bullshit, bullshit, and uh, they were, like, surprisingly, uncomfortably well-behaved bachelor parties, where, you know, at the end of the night, I'm like, you guys got to get your shit together and go do something illegal or mm-hmm. something that he's going to regret in the morning because uh, bachelor party, you know, uh, credentials, you are not up there yet. Wow. But, uh, yeah, it was a good show uh, with um, uh, Hunter Collins and uh, Graham Chidden and uh, tried out some new bits, and they were going over quite well, so right. can't complain. Uh, a couple of quick announcements, and we're going to get into our uh, conversation with uh, Jody Minnick from The Amazing Race uh, Canada. July 20th, that's this Saturday night, I'm going to be in PEI at the Rod Hotel. Uh, if you want information about tickets, you can go to my website, comedyhorror.com, or Facebook event, Frosty in July. There is one called Frosty in July, so check that out. And September 20th, I'm returning to Sudbury at Little Montreal. I'm myself and Kenny Robinson as part of our Rank and Vile tour. Uh, we had a sold-out date at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, so we're taking to Sudbury September 20th. And another date in Winnipeg in October. More details to come. So now we're going to go to our interview. Oh, I just want to also say, too, that we are also, if you want to get the show on iTunes, uh, a public you have to go and resubscribe because we are now on uh, anything goes on Sirius XM uh, on uh, iTunes, and so uh, if you haven't been getting it recently, you have to resubscribe. And uh, and please write a review about the show. How can you not? Will you listen to the show if you enjoy it? Write yeah. a review, and uh, and we'll tr- maybe get some more traffic in the XM world. Okay, everybody, uh, on the phone right now, if you are in Canada or in America, because our American friends have uh, watched this show religiously, The Amazing Race, for the first time, The Amazing Race Canada is going to be debuting uh, on Monday tonight. Um, We tape on Monday nights. We're uh, airing on Wednesdays. But we have um, one of the team members on uh, The Amazing Race Canada. Now, like thousands and thousands of people applied for Amazing Race Canada. In fact, at one point, me and Dave even considered uh, going on. Well, you considered it. I never even thought about it. But we knew if we did do that, there'd be no radio show after the show. Well, I so. would, yeah, one of us would not come yeah, back. Yeah, probably not alive, or at least uh, deformed greatly. And uh, But what we have on the radio right now, a friend of mine actually uh, entered and was selected, and uh, himself and his brother are now teammates and did The Amazing Race Canada. Uh, like I said, starts tonight on CTV. So on the phone all the way from Ottawa, Ontario, through the power of technology, we have Jody Middick on the phone. Jody, how you doing? I'm awesome. How's it going, Darren? We're we're doing well down here in Toronto. Now, it starts tonight, episode number one. Now, first of all, my first question is, why did you want to do The Amazing Race? Well, I actually originally didn't, believe it or not. Uh, Like another friend of mine, it was his idea. He he called me and he said, hey, man, you want to be on The Amazing Race? And I treated it kind of like the office lottery ticket. You know, you throw in your Louie and you forget you ever did it. Sure. And he called me back like two or three weeks later, and he says, hey, man, uh, they called. They want more. So we did a video. We filled out a bunch of forms. Uh, and then he, he, they called again, and they said, hey, we want to talk to you. We want to meet you guys. So now my, you know, my game mode kicks in, and I'm, sure. and, and I'm thinking, holy shit, this is, this is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, um, and then, uh, you know, Darren, like since we've met, I've talked about how awesome it would be to be on TV and radio and like, yeah. get into that career. And a light bulb went off in my head like, hey, this is the most popular show in Canada. Yes. Maybe it'd be a good idea to be on this show. Right, of course. And then at this time, my other buddy Dave, he says he can't get the time off work. 
So, uh, now, hold on one second. My brother had been a little jealous. Like, why didn't I ask him? Jody, one second. Jody, one second. What, how long? So he couldn't do it for work purposes because most people don't understand. How long does it take to do the amazing race? People just think it's like a weekend. It's not. How much time do you have to do? uh, It took just about a month of filming. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So when he couldn't get time off work, I called Corey. Corey was more than enthusiastic. He, He was in love with the idea. Okay. We slapped together our video and we put it in. Can I, can I just ask really quickly, like, what did your what job did your friend do that his boss wouldn't let him go off and be on this reality TV show? It just seemed like it'd be like that's a bit of an assholey thing to do for a boss. Be like, well, well listen, I mean, I can't speak for Dave, but sure, sure. A, a big part, oh, well, a little part of me thinks maybe he got a little intimidated by the idea. To be right, honest, right? You know, like. Holy crap. Yeah, like, like, you know, I was thing, calling him every day. I was like, you better be in the gym. You better be eating good. we got to win this thing. Right. And then he thought, i got to spend a month hanging out with this guy. Right. Maybe that was a factor, sure. you know. Uh, and then I don't know what job he does, but it has something to do with phones and computers. Oh, well, sure those aren't exactly. going to be around for... Like you said, I thought the same thing, but I, would, I didn't want to press it. I said, sure. okay, I, I let him have his graceful exit. It's it's one thing to say, hey, let's do this, and then when it actually might happen, you're like, oh shit, now I got to fucking, I got to man up and do it, and yeah. yeah, like you like you said, maybe part of that is that too. I mean, I thought I could maybe do it, but then I'm looking at myself and my physical uh, physicality, and I'd probably be dead in three days. You know, <laughs> three days? Yeah, yeah hours, I give myself three maybe. days. Yeah. I give you hours. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah. uh, one well, thing, I mean, it, it is physically demanding. Make no mistake. Everyone on the show was probably in pretty good shape. Right. Um, you know. But they, you know, I think I think you could do it. You know, if you wanted to, it's sure. a matter of if you want to, Darren. You right. want to sweat? I think. No, I don't think question. I want to sweat. I don't want to sweat. Uh, yeah. Okay. Now, one. Uh, now, uh, like uh, as, as far as the uh, the show goes, now uh, you have a, a bit of a different, uh, more interesting sort of angle, uh, like physically, uh, as a, compared to some of the other contestants on this uh, show. Uh, now you've. You visited. Uh, you were in, now. Were you in the military? And yes. you visited Afghanistan, and uh, and and tragically, uh, you lost both your legs in Afghanistan. Right. And yeah, I, well, I, I was a ma- master sniper with the Canadian Forces, uh, sniper team leader at the time. Stepped on a landmine, lost both feet. Uh, you know, and and that was in 2007. Yeah. And it's been a recovery. I'm sure that had a factor to do with me being chosen. Right, yeah. The casting producers wouldn't reveal their secrets. Right. But, I mean, I understand that, of course, that's a part, that's an angle to me being uh, a member of the show. Now, I'm, I'm, now Darren, Darren, show me a, a picture of you before we went on the air. Now, you don't have the, you don't have the Oscar Pistorius uh, sort of uh, fin uh, sort of uh, legs, but what, what do you, what, what would you call that? What would you call the kind that you have? Because you have actually... Like running well, shoes. My, well, I do have those actually. Okay. I just, uh, you don't wear them walking around because they don't have heels. Those are for you know? running only. Yeah. Uh, those are for only for running. Yeah. So they will make an appearance on the show actually. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, and then I, I just have regular, you know, everyday walking feet for for the rest of the time. Oh, okay. So the you're... ones that I had on the show were brand were a brand new design that actually allowed me to move pretty good. Okay, so your legs aren't like a Swiss Army knife where you can just interchange them and <laughs> if you need a oh, corkscrew or a spoon. Okay, go, go gadget running legs. Yeah, you know, exactly. No, none of that. But it's, you know, it's pretty quick. It's pretty close to that, but it's not as not quite that. Right. Now, I, I had a quick question. Now, if it came down to it and, uh, you know, uh, you and a couple of the other contestants are, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're making a break for the finish line, and then you see the guy, uh, hold the host of the show, I don't even know his name, uh, and he's holding that card, that precious card that's going to give you the critical information or the, or the next uh, you're going to get 
get the one up on everyone else. Would it ever come down to you possibly detaching your legs and then just throwing them over the finish line? And like then a just boomerang? yeah, kind of maybe yeah. knocking out well, the, a couple of the contestants on the way. The, the, the problem is that at, you, the, your whole team has to cross the line. So even if my legs were there and and I wasn't, then, oh. then it wouldn't count. Oh, that's bullshit. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's all right. You know, I move pretty good on these. I found out. You'll and you'll see. Okay. Now, um, now one thing I didn't know is that uh, uh, that this show isn't sort of done like week to, all, week. week to week, live on the fly sort of thing. It is. Um, completely shot. It's all completely shot. Yeah. And how do you, how do they keep that uh, a secret? Because you'd figure that like people are on Twitter and s- other social medias, and then you know uh, the, I'm surprised that like someone in Thunder Bay wasn't like, hey, I just saw the amazing race guys. They just went past <laughs> me, eh? Like, uh, I- well, it turns out there actually is there's a there's a small cult of people out there that that uh, that literally stalk anyone on the Amazing Race. Oh man. And. Uh, I, I won't give out any websites or anything, but, sure. but, you know, there is information if you're willing to look for it. But funny enough, it's moderated by someone who doesn't let out too many secrets. And right. nobody knows who this guy is, but he's a, he's, a, he's a bit of a gem. And then also, whenever we'd land at an airport, the producers timed, averaged it out. It was about six and a half minutes before the first tweet would go out. Right. Uh, like, holy shit, look who I just saw. And there's all the pictures with us in the background and stuff like that. So... But anyone asks, and we say, no, no, we're uh, we're filming an adventure show called, uh, you know, you know, run run for your life. Oh, right, okay. right, right. Uh, you know, even though you're standing there holding an amazing race yellow envelope in your hand, uh, <laughs> you know, if you don't confirm anything, then they can't say they told us so, right? Right. Yeah, that's the way it works now. You know, and then you know there might be I don't know if they'll keep it in the show, but there's this probably there might be a scene where where I challenge uh, uh, um, someone on the sidelines to to. Uh, maybe dance, do the man dance, yeah. uh, because they get a little snippy with me. So, you know, it's a, it all depends on how they decide to edit it. So, I mean, one thing is, is like, this is almost like, I always thought of the Amazing Race as almost like a modern-day reality show version of the Cannonball Run. And, right. like, so you're on, like, how many different f- modes of transportation do you take throughout the entire thing? I mean, you're a, is it like boat, plane, car, yes. train, train, <laughs> all those? Yes. And, it's, yeah. it's how do you get around? It's yes. It's whatever you it's whatever you got to do to get around. Now, oh. d- uh, in terms of provinces, I don't know if you can say this or not. How many provinces does it actually go into? Uh, you're gonna have to tune in to the show at nine. Okay, find that out, Darren. Okay, at least ten, I think. Well, let's hope. Let's hope ten. Well, you know, I hope well, it's not I mean, we have race. ten provinces. Yeah. No, but I'm just saying, like, in terms of not for your journey, but just overall, it's like, you call it Amazing Race Canada, but if most of it only happens in Ontario. Like, the great thing about Amazing Race, the American version, it's around the world, and they go everywhere. Right. I mean, that is well, one I mean, of the amazing Canada's, parts. Canada's a humongous place, yes. right? Uh, so there's, and it, and you can go from, you know, from snow-capped mountains to white sandy beaches to, you know, rainforests. All within Canada. Yes. Yeah, and, and, you know, you just might see that on the show. Right. Okay. Well, that's good to know. All right. Well, the show starts, uh, will over, already have started on Monday. We uh, we go on Wednesday, but it will continue for the next, how many weeks is the show? Do you even know? <laughs> ten, I, uh, we're pretty, we're, it's 10 episodes, we found ten. out. Okay. Finally. So 10 weeks. Uh, and I think the last one is September 16th. Okay. And uh, if people want to find out more about you and uh, follow your journey, and uh, where can they go? Obviously through Twitter or webpage. What's the best way? Uh, Twitter, uh, I'm at Jody Mitic, all one word, J-O-D-Y-M-I-T-I-C. I'm on Facebook. Um, I don't have a personal website, maybe okay. one day. Um, 
And eventually, but not just yet, uh, my my charity, the Never Quit Foundation. If you can uh, if you can find it, neverquitfoundation.ca, dot okay. uh, and you can find uh, stuff there. Perfect. Yeah. All right, Jody, we got we got to wrap it up, but we want to say good luck. Uh, obviously, it's done, but when the show has wrapped, we'll have you back on. We'll talk about more of, of the journey because we'll go into more specifics. Okay, I know that you're awesome. just okay, Jody. I, I thank you for doing the show. I know you're just going to tell me to watch the show, but I really right. hope you stumble across uh, like a clothing optional beach or a, or a marijuana <laughs> grow up or uh, or something like that. I don't know. It, it could be fun. Anyways, uh, all the amazing race is always the show that my mom kicks me out of her house for. So, uh, I'll, uh, thank you for uh, coming on, and uh, no and best and best of luck. Thanks, thanks Jody. Thanks for calling me, guys. I'll right. see you this weekend, eh, Darren? Yes, for sure. All right, brother. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Okay, that was uh, Jody Minnick, and uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back from the break, our comedian in the hot chair this week is Paul Morrissey from Los Angeles, and uh, we'll be talking to him. And oh, it'll be so much fun. So don't turn away. We'll be right back. Still waiting for the bestiality videos to get their own category at the Adult Video Awards. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Hi, it's me, Tom Papa from The Marriage Ref. You're listening to Anything Goes on XM Radio. It's hilarious. Wipe off your face. We're back. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Hey there. Uh, we are back from the break. This is Anything Goes for the week of July 17th. 2013. Uh, we just came out the, off the top of the show. We had, mm-hmm. uh, oh, Jesus, I can't even remember the guy's name. Jody now. Minnick from The Amazing Race Canada. Jody Minnick from The Amazing Race Canada. It, uh, it premieres on uh, Monday. Two nights ago on Monday night. It started on, on CTV for the next 10 weeks. And uh, it's all recorded, so there can, it's all can be all spoilers, really. Yeah. If we, if we yeah. wanted to do that. But if we got uh, him drunk, he'd probably tell us what happened. Yeah, but I mean, he was very, uh, he was very, really had it down of just like, just watch the show. Yeah. Just watch the show. Yeah, they've been prepped. Yeah. You show him queen of diamonds and he'll probably freak out and tell you who won <laughs> um and then try to shoot the president yeah uh, why don't why a Manchurian candidate reference uh, so quickly off the top of the uh, midpoint of the show? Uh, well, we are in uh, we're uh, in studio right now. Uh, Darren Frost is beside me as always, and then uh, right in between us, I went to go see him last night at Absolute Comedy in Toronto. Uh, we have uh, the very very funny Mr. Paul Morsey. Hey. Oh, Paul. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's good to see you, Darren. <laughs> yeah. I did see Dave last night. Yes. And uh, he's the most polite guy. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Sober. Yeah, you, sober. But you just said uh, you're talking to the guy who uh, <laughs> he was a sniper yeah. in Afghanistan. You yeah. said, so you visited Afghanistan. Well, Dave I, said that. Dave said that, I yeah. thought that was an interesting way yeah. of... Well, I guess. So. Well, yeah. I mean, should I? Well, I mean, yeah. It was his job to go there. Yeah, but he I was sort of like while he was there. He but was, I mean, I was sort of like in some shops and yeah, some, some lunches. Caught a movie, you know, yeah. a couple plays. Sure. The uh, then uh, bang boom, and he has no legs. He can't visit there no but more. But then, how does a sniper? 
sniper lose his legs in the first place? By stepping on a landmine. Well, why is he step? Why is he walking anywhere? I thought he just well, lies down they somewhere. Just parachute in, lie down, and start shooting. They got to get to a place to sniper from. I guess he got to hide behind some shit. Yeah, sure. I guess. D- so. Just so you understand, this is D- Dave. Last week, and told on the show. Just so you understand, Dave, a little better. Uh, he had so much time off on the road. You'll appreciate this that he spent the day and he ate X lax just to see what it did to his body. Not <laughs> what it said. What I, what That's it would what do. you said, Dave. No, 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 no. I just said I was so Come bored on. and I had nowhere right, else to walk right. around. Yes. First of all, you didn't listen to last week's show. Uh, just I was of, here. Yeah, I know you were here, but you can easily misinterpret what I say if you wanted to. <laughs> sure. But uh, anyway, no, it was just one of those days. You know when you, you, there's, we're, the uh, the club was inside of a hotel. It was in this big industrial area, and it was like a 20-minute walk basically to fucking nowhere anyways. And uh, so one day, uh, I, was yeah. just, uh, I was tired bored? of uh, Bored? I just thought I'd have a... A day of smoking pot in my room and shitting and watching bad TV. <laughs> What's wrong with that? He's just doing a cleanse. Yeah. yeah. It was he sort of was, like a cleanse. He yeah. was visiting that place. It's right. like That's leaving Las Vegas without the alcohol. <laughs> oh. <laughs> One thing I noticed about you last night before you uh, went on, sh- on on stage, you uh, you put a jacket on. Because when I met you in the front bar, yeah. you had uh, just your red Woodstock T-shirt on. The concert, uh-huh. not the cartoon character. <laughs> but uh, then you threw a jacket so Dave on. Dave had to say that to me, too. Just yeah. Because well, the first thing could came to my mind. But, yeah, why the jacket? I feel like I've always been self-conscious about, um, like, looking professional, I guess. Right. Because even I was a TV sports anchor for a while, and I literally would put the jacket on, like, minute before I sure. got on the air, and I would have the tie pre-tied, yeah. and I would wear shorts and flip-flops underneath because you couldn't see under the desk. And right. I just, I've never looked right in a suit and tie, but all these guys that I kind of respect, like when you see Seinfeld or Tom Popper, Larry Miller, I'm yeah, like, yeah, wow, these guys look so Brian classy. Brian Regan, but, they all have yeah. it. Yeah, of course. And, but I just can't pull it off. So I feel like if I just show up in a T-shirt and jeans... I'm like, well, let me put on at least a jacket so it looks like at least I could go to dinner somewhere. You yeah. know what I mean? I would feel... I think, is it fair to say in your own mind, um, not, not to say are you self-aware, but do you feel like you're kind of more old school in your presentation of your material? Because uh, when I watch clips, old school is a negative thing. It just means you're very kind of joke-based. Yeah, yeah. And the presentation, it almost is that kind of jacket presentation Missing a tie, but that's well. I mean, it. Le- and let's not. Uh, it's not an Armani jacket. It's a, it's a uh, valet no, boy yeah. jacket. I basically. know, but I'm just saying. It's like there is that sense of yeah. yeah. If you're wearing maybe just a t-shirt and jeans, it may come across a little bit different. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, my act is definitely it's definitely writer based. Like I don't right. I don't like to have a lot of fat in there when I'm presenting it. Like when you're doing a Craig Ferguson show sure. or something like that. Um, but I mean, Dave saw the show last night. I definitely do more than my share of just uh, goofing around, or I yeah. can swear on this, right? right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. If you want. I can say the fuck word, right? Yeah. Oh, a couple of times. Yeah, I uh, I do more than my share of fucking around when I'm trying to get to the point. I mean, you know, it's it's uh. Yeah, what you can do in a headline set is obviously different than a six minute showcase set. Well, sure. and also, you know, a lot of my road stuff was made you know because people always say well how do you get started and all that kind of stuff like one of my big things is and it wasn't a conscious thing was uh you know to be able to work clean for about 10 minutes opened up a lot of doors for me right just opening for all kinds of guys and even now if i if i open for like gaffigan on a theater tour 
you know, you, you want to do a clean set and you also want it to be tight. You know, mm. you don't want to look bad in front of him. Yeah, of course, and you're yeah. not you're not kicking around your new bit that you came up with that day <laughs> yeah. in front of a sold out theater. So, I mean, it's definitely you have those different gears that you go into as far as stand up goes. But it's definitely good to have all those different things. You can have the late show crowd where you're just talking to the crowd and you got to do it that way. Or there's the audience that you just it's all material. So, it's yeah, but also, you know, whenever you say clean, sometimes people don't think it's it's kind of um, I don't want to say bland, but it's not edgy or whatever. But I, the one bit that I really liked of yours uh, from your Craig Ferguson, I think was the second. How many times have you been on the show? Uh, four. Four. So it's the one about gay marriage. I thought okay. that was a really, really good joke. Oh, thanks, man. About the, um, if you're a roommate and all of a sudden you're married. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, I thought that was a great. Oh, thanks, man. And it was, an, it was a different uh, take on that whole problem in Los Angeles. And it was also a subtle way, because I'm very old school that way, where I think you're probably the opposite, where, you know, I work with Jimmy Dore as well, who was very outspoken politically and religious and all sure. that kind of stuff. And I, I almost go out of my way to not be that confrontational about it. It's not that I don't have those views, but oh, I yeah, just yeah, feel yeah. like, I mean, like, you know, it just opens up, and you're either preaching to the choir or you're, you're getting immediate enemies. So I feel like yeah. if I do it in a subtle way like yeah. that, people are laughing and they're like, you know what, he's probably right how ridiculous it is yes, that we don't yes, have gay marriage. Of course. You know? so, and a lot more uh, gay people come up to me and, and they say that's a, you know, it, that really kind of hit on Well, it. you know, it's funny. I did a show about a month ago or actually two months ago in Winnipeg at the comedy festival and me and Kenny Robinson did an X-rated show and this woman came up to me and it happens to me a lot. You know, I, you know I'm a confrontational comic and she said to me, you know what, I saw one of your clips called Black Faggot and I got to tell you and I'm like, oh my God, here it comes. Mm -hmm. And she's like, that was my favorite bit and you became my favorite comic and I'm so glad I came tonight. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that could have went the other way because, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the term isn't the most... Um, you know, uh, friendly to uh, right. that group of people, but it actually defends them. The bits about defending them, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, there's that moment of like, oh fuck, you know, that's yeah, part of the problem of being that kind of comic. And also, I'm a comic, so nothing offends me. So sure. I, yeah. It always does catch me off guard when when somebody's like, oh, you you know, because I think Dave will say about uh, last night. I have this thing, and it really comes from like a, a, a sincere place, just about how you know. The banks and all. I went through a divorce and and a big financial thing and and and, and uh, selling a house and it was just a, such a frustrating thing to see how all this fucking stuff works with yeah yeah with finances and just the more money you have the more the more they take away and 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 when you don't have any like with the banks and just credit checks all that kind of stuff it just became to a point. And also, I just got into, like, uh, engagement rings. I, f I figured out, like, we could save a billion dollars a year if every grandmother just gave their grandson their old engagement ring and nobody had to save their life savings. To, Where do like... you think I got my wedding ring from? <laughs> That's a dead grandmother <laughs> yes. ring, right? right? No, seriously. Yeah. There was a Christmas. I was dating my wife. I was not mm -hmm. married. And I opened up the present from her parents, and it was the grandmother's wedding yeah. ring, which was, like, a ma it, was, it was worth way too much money yeah and we just spent you know six hundred dollars getting it refitted and that right. was our wedding ring yeah and that's and that's and dave was at the show last night i say did you buy it by yourself or did you get one of those dead grandmother rings and then for about 30 seconds <laughs> everyone's stunned but then when i explain it sure you know it's like oh that makes a lot of sense you know? yeah I, I don't i, I you, you had a you had a good show last night and i don't want to uh, uh put a, a damper on it but i was the guy that started the uh the applause after the social commentary <laughs> joke <laughs> I could tell as a comic, I was sort of like, I bet there's some, I bet there's a moment of applause that I, 
And so from one, I think it might have been from stage left. It was like from a higher up because I was on the sort of the raised area. I started oh, yeah, the yeah. whole like, yeah. And then it, 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 it picked up there. And I was like, yeah. You know, it was one of those like, I just did a good thing. Like walking an old lady across the street. I, I kind of, I, I, I helped the, the, the bridge. You could have a warm-up comic. All they need is a little momentum. Yeah. You know? The, uh... What was it like? I mean, you went into the crowd a couple times last night. Uh, like, you know, you're talking to the, the, the black dude. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's there's always those moments where you just want, like, because I've had that on stage, and I'll just refer to a black guy as a black guy. Mm-hmm. But then right before I say it, I'm like, is that even a correct term? Yeah, like, is yeah. that a, is that yeah, a, depending a, on where a, you are, what part correct of the term that I can and, even yeah. use? It's yeah. so, yeah, it's very, I've been navigating my way through that because I'm a very white person. You can't see through the radio. So I come off as like an old fashioned old white guy, but I really don't want to be that. I wish I was. That's why I love Toronto. Everyone's a little bit of something, and it just yes. seems like yeah. that's where the race is going to go. That's like the melting pot is here for the sure. The really white people—they're the ones that are allergic to peanuts and air and yeah. stuff like that. That's why yep. we're just going to just disappear pretty soon, and everyone's going to be like a quarter of this, a quarter of that. And so, uh, yeah, whenever and and it's even worse if I talk to like I have a big because uh, one of the things is like if you're pale here, everyone's like. Oh, you got to get a spray tan. You got to get darker. You don't want to look sickly pale. And then in Asia and India, it's all about being whiter. They yes, have skin yes. lightening yeah, yeah. products and stuff yeah. like that. And it's just so whenever I talk to an Asian person, I'm always like, well, what kind of Asian are you? <laughs> and, I, and it's like the most yeah. racist sounding thing, but it really is a sincere thing because I'm yeah. like, wow, I wonder what it's like to be like that. Yes. And come from a cool place instead of me just talking about growing up in upstate. I just feel like my life's kind of boring. Uh, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's just a way, cause you know, in the middle of the show, sometimes you just see somebody and you're like, I want to ask him about this. You right. Know what yeah. I mean? And then it's a bad thing sometimes to stay focused, but I feel like it, it seems sincere and natural. Yeah. What's like, do you remember at all? What like the worst, uh, time you've ever gone into the crowd where you're sort of like, you just dug yourself this horrible hole that you can't seem to. Like get out of it, even if it, you just sort of trying to just even if it, even if it's a joke that you or a, a question that you ask an audience member that's just going to go into whatever joke you're going to do anyways. Yeah, and they're just the lead in for it. Right, right. Well, I don't know. Like I've had one of just like, oh hey, are you two together? And then the uh, <laughs> girl uh, and the guy says, yeah, we're together. And uh, and then the girl turns to the guy and goes, we're just roommates. And this was in a, like a big. It's it was in a reasonably big club, pretty big crowd that night, and it was just this awkwardness uh-huh. that it was just. Like almost, you could see like the black wavy lines of mm-hmm. awkwardness coming off of them for the whole show, and uh, it's just—I almost felt that a couple of times that yeah. there was the possibility of that. Uh, and that, that's that why could have happened so, last night. And that's why it's so interesting because people, you know, I'll even talk to guys in LA, you know, that they're like, "Oh, you're how could every, anything ever bad happen in your show?" And but but as they anything will say, bad can happen to anyone's show. That's what I feel. Well, there is that. I I really do love those kind of uncomfortable moments, yeah. and then defusing them. Sure. Or, or riding the wave Tension. and bringing it back. Yeah. And, and so that's what I really like. And and so being like clean and and so called safe, I guess, is, was never an interest in me. I didn't want to just do do a boom 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 boom, and at the end they're just oh we just laughed the whole time. I like I like when it's like they don't get too comfortable. You yeah. Know what I mean. Yeah, there was a funny. There was like there was one table that was like super chatty, mm-hmm. and uh, and then when you asked them, uh, hey, so what's going on over there? And their response was, 
you know, which their response was, oh, well, we're, we're just talking about how good you are, which is sort of almost puts you in a weird position because <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not like you can go, yeah, well, fuck you. <laughs> but at the same, I thought you dealt with it nice of just like, wow, you made the decision really early how great I was because uh, you just kept on talking for the rest of the show. Just like, hey, I don't need to listen to this guy anymore. <laughs> He's great. Five minutes was good, and then I'll just move on. Yeah, and those are the guys that talk to you afterwards. They're like, oh, oh yeah. we really liked you, man. We were just hammered and, and uh, that kind of stuff because I've never seen – just that, hey, shut the fuck up. Like, I, I never get that upset. Is Whenever somebody's really drunk and says something belligerent, you can just get the audience on your side so easily. And it's just like, you know, I had a girl. It was a clip that kind of got some YouTube play. She, she, uh, she like, yelled. She just yelled, I have a question in the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I, well, lot, I don't yeah. take questions until the end. And she's like, <laughs> and then she's still like, well, I'm, well, I'm going to, I don't give a shit. I'm going to ask you anyway. She says that. Yeah. So then the crowd's already kind of like, well, who's this bitch? You know what I mean? Right. And so then I'm like, all right. And then she's like, said something about like holding hands. Like my parents hold hands. What does that mean? And I was just like, are you going to say something funny at the end? Because <laughs> that's how this works. Right, you know what right, I mean? So right. I can't stop the show unless it's funny. So. So thanks for for ruining the show. And then of course everyone claps and then yeah, she does shut on. up eventually. So I I just always went from that school of like uh like just let them fall into their own fucking hole and not and not just be cuz as soon as especially if it's a woman if you just like hey shut the fuck even that makes you the dick, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah. You're already being aggressive even though yes. in your mind it's like well they've been talking the whole fucking show. Yeah. And uh you know this is my job, you know what I mean? The difference is though um and that, and not to defend that uh, aspect, because I have done that. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, you then have to have the material yeah. to back that attitude up. Right, right. Like you can do shut the fuck up, mm-hmm. but you can then not go back to hey, nicey, nice. Yeah, yeah. It better be if it's happening in twenty minutes. You got twenty minutes left. It better be twenty minutes of the attitude of fuck you, and yeah. it's going to be funny because that yeah. is what that's the one problem. But I've even had the thing where somebody yells something random and said. Uh, you really thought the show was going that well that I needed you <laughs> yeah, to fucking yeah, 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 of course. I'm just trying to get these guys going, and you yeah. pick this time to fucking throw your little joke. And then even that will, like, rally them a little bit. So, right. I mean, you guys know. Sure. You were a next big star. I watched Dave's process. Oh, oh I bet next, you did. Next big, uh, next big, big thing, thing on the oh, yeah. national film board. Is, yeah. That's what I was at, the Comedy Nest condo. I bet. And went through the whole season. Oh, I had to shit, see what happened. Man. So I know I know everything about What happened Dave. to Nikki Payne and Jason Rouse, man? That's what, when I see them, most people are famous to me. Like, sure. the first time I met Dave, I was like, oh, you don't have to tell me who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's sort of like, that's some, like, some nasty shit that you don't, never thought that... It's it's funny though, like the amount of stuff that you think, ah, oh, no one's ever gonna see that again. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. now it's like, oh right. Come on, a comedy thing, documentary you know. left in a comedy condo, right. every person is gonna watch that. <laughs> you know what? And the one at the nest, I think uh the one at the comedy nest was the old that's the only time I've ever watched a girl's gone wild. Oh really? And and I and I real and then I was just like, like, oh my god, thank God I never bought one of these videos off TV because they're the most boring shit that I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah. And I've, actually, I find them kind of ironic because I'd get a girl to like take her top off and uh, then they would give her a T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. Which I found that kind of counterproductive. <laughs> but I was like, okay, it's your fucking show. And then Maybe they're some on a, ice for her tits. Yeah, and then they're on a boat, and then like two chicks make out. And I'm like, this is like the most. Yeah, it was awful, boring. It was. <laughs> Yeah. I would say awful. There well, it wasn't a, yeah. awful. I yeah. mean, it was still titty, but it was just sort of like, I can't believe that this is something that people have desired. <laughs> now, I wanted to ask you, because uh, you were you did, um, you did were a sports anchor. Is that what you were for yeah, years? Yeah, yeah. I was a TV sports anchor. Right. And when you see the clips on the internet now, like when were you, when were you doing that? 
This was uh, until about 2000. Okay, so the was web was pre-9/11. around. Yeah. The web was around, Sports but it wasn't, were different, yeah. wasn't the same <laughs> as it is now. Like, when you ever watch a clip of someone fucking up, like, mm. there's that one a famous one from a month or two ago where the guy said, fuckity fuck, I fucking up yeah. before it started. Oh, yeah, fucking gay. Oh, and just yeah. like, you're, from your perspective of doing it every day, like, what's that like? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's funny because that's how I got into comedy because I knew sports, but I didn't know TV. So it was sure. basically like you would, you would work all day getting these high highlights together and then you would just hear in your earpiece uh yeah we don't have that tape or the tape melted or something right so you're just like okay we don't have that tape and you're on live tv so there's no there's no out to it so you kind of feel it's like taking improv like on Mm. the fly so but i never had a a thing where i was gonna uh like swear like I, i was like anytime i'm in a studio with lights on and cameras. Yeah. I'm not gonna. You're gonna. It, it, worst it's comes like being worst. in church. Yeah. I don't swear in church. Well, you end <laughs> you up. You don't go though. So. Well, <laughs> you'll end up on the fucking blooper reel. Yeah, at yeah, yeah. The Christmas party. So sure. you just don't. You right. just don't do it. If you don't get them the footage, you don't have the footage. Yeah, and so well, what ended up happening was I. The reason I ended up being an, a sports anchor is because I was so bad at being a reporter. Like, I had no interest in, like, you know, if they said there was, like, a, a murder or a car accident, I was like, well, I don't want to be anywhere near it. <laughs> yeah, Somebody yeah, got yeah. hurt, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I just uh, interviewed people at the mall or, you know, for Valentine's Day. So everyone hated that I would just do these, uh, you know, it'd be, like, daily show kind of stuff, just yeah. man on the street, just making fun of the viewers pretty right. much. So so they offered me the sports anchor job just to keep me from doing any the of that. The other stuff. But I have, like, a you know, a thing about Robert Hayes from the movie Airplane. He was uh he had like a recycling uh business or something. So everyone's doing this thing about like how Robert Hayes wants to save the planet and I just basically did like airplane lines back and forth to him. Yeah. So it's just like <laughs> so everyone thought it was like a hard news story to lead the news with and it just ends up being like a trailer for airplane three or something. Right. <laughs> and so I dug up all that stuff and I actually made we did a like a, a solo show of just all the shitty reports that I did. You know, like when Titanic came out you know, people would be lined up, and I would just say, you know, the boat sinks, right? <laughs> right, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And so I just had all that stuff dug up that I did on a real station and just told a story about, like, you know, there was, like, a shooting at a park, and these guys told me, like, to pack up the camera and get the fuck out of there, so I did. And so <laughs> yeah. and so my news director's like, why didn't you do that story? It's like, these guys told me to get the fuck <laughs> get out the fuck of there. Out. I'm getting the and fuck out. like, well, your job is to get that story. It's like, no, my job is to, to not be a story. Yeah. You know? <laughs> What uh, now? You you come back and forth a lot from uh, stateside to well, actually, where are you originally from? Uh, upstate New York, Binghamton, New York. Okay, because um, I mean, like, part. I know that you live out of you're out of Los Angeles now, but it's like, yeah. like when I saw you last night, I would have said like uh, like a New York or a Boston because you don't scream Los Angeles. Oh uh, yeah, just looking at you. Well, I don't mean to profile you, uh, but um, <laughs> but well, uh, do you have to do you change? Do you have to change shit up at all going over the border? Well, yeah, I mean, you've noticed that, you know, we'll do the, and you, and it's a good practice to kind of, not only do you strip stuff down, so just more people can understand what you're talking about, but um, you also learn, you know, there's jokes that I just do in Canada, you know, yeah. that, right. that, you know, about the, you know, we're talking about the president's choice last night at Loblaws. Yeah, know? yeah, of course. And yeah. like, you guys don't have a president, so who's making these decisions? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And so those are the things that I can only do up here, obviously, and so... 
Um, it's just, you know, I've been coming up here for, I think, six years. And, and it's always, they're always great audiences. You know, I do the absolute clubs. And the one in Ottawa, I mean, might be the best club in North America. It's yeah, just, I've heard people say that. You know, the, it's sold out literally seven days a week now. Yep. So if, if I'm working on, like, a TV spot or trying to, you know, I'm trying to do the Letterman show right now. And uh, so I'll be at the absolute in Ottawa for, like, two straight weeks. And I'll have... I'll yep, have the, the time set by the end out. of it. Right. So it's like, it's one of those things you can be really productive and, and um, you know, so I like coming up here. And it also feels like a like I'm training for a fight almost. Like you, right. you have a month just to work on stand-up. Yeah. So all day thinking of new stuff. I'm not worried about my friends coming to see me or all well, this other bullshit. Well, that's what I was going to say. That a know? lot of comics used to do that more in the 90s for some reason than than, than the last 10 years. They'd, they'd come across because they could bomb here, mm-hmm. work shit out, and then go back <laughs> once it's working. Yeah. And then because a lot of – there was this time, a period for about three or four years where really young comics – who had like kind of big management in LA? Uh, yeah, yeah. They were kind of sent up here, right? Right, and they would do like a month of touring and just be bomb, bomb, bomb. Yeah. But at least they're bombing there, right, and right? Working it out, then going to LA, the improv for a showcase, and you know their eighth time on stage, kind of thing. Well, the hilarious thing is that I've never done uh, just for laughs. Like I've been, yeah. I've been yeah. coming here for like six years. Well, a lot of Canadians can say the same thing too. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, it was always funny to me because they'll come to Los Angeles and they'll have. They'll be like, oh, do a six-minute showcase at a play. You know, because you got to think about, like, here, it's a big name. But when they go to L.A., like the Comedy Magic Club, they'll say, well, why would I put... Ten guys that you think might be funny this year right. than the Gary Shandling and, and Daniel Tosh. Like, yes. So it doesn't have like the 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 clout that it does in most places, I guess. So so I mean, you know, coming from LA, I guess you know, I, I think New York a lot of New York comics end up doing the festival. Yes, maybe yes. It's a little do, bit yeah. closer. But yeah, it's so funny that like you know I'll headline Montreal once a year and and why don't you guys come see that forty five yeah. oh, minutes? Yeah. 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 You're and, talking uh, like you've lived in Canada for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's, it's frustrating. It's the same argument. Yeah, but well, um, I find like a lot of the Northeast comics are like uh, are the ones that always sort of like uh, they love going to Montreal because it's close enough to uh, the states, and, but it has all that for that French feel as well. I'm a little uh, different. I do. I really love Toronto. Toronto's probably my favorite city. The Ottawa Club is my favorite sure. club. And then when I go to Montreal, I like it, but I can tell the difference. I can tell the the little reserved. You mm. got to be a little more physical because yes. of the language. I feel yes. And it's just, it, when I started finding out that there's like mime schools and stuff oh, yeah, like that, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know. Do we have time to do the Rob Zombie uh, story? I don't, I don't know. know. No. That I just uh, yeah. I, I heard a, a little bit about that no, last no, night. No, we don't have time. No. Okay. Right, right. Shit. Well, yeah. Next time. Next time you're back yeah, on. Yeah. Because I remember hearing that story and I was just like, I can't fucking. How does that happen? But anyways. <laughs> so this weekend you're you're in Absolute Ottawa. No, no. I'm in the Comedy Nest in Montreal, which I think the festival. Will kind of start, so I'll be doing shows during the festival. Yes, you so will be. Yeah, yeah. I'll feel like I'm a part of it. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Maybe they'll find you some kind like of pass and they'll the party. Xerox it. Yeah. Right? And then, uh, and the next week you're in uh, for the next two weeks after that you're at Absolute Ottawa. Yeah, Absolute Ottawa. So yeah, my uh, the website's just paulhasawebsite.com. Okay. And uh, also, I just started a, a podcast called the Alley Oop Podcast. Okay. We do talk a little bit of sports. I had Todd Marinovich on, who's like an old school quarterback, but also you know Jim Gaffigan, uh, Larry Miller. Okay. Uh, uh, kid from Kid and Play. Yeah, yeah. Just basically yeah. anybody I want to spend an yeah, hour yeah. just talking. I know with all those guys uh, yeah, in terms uh, of comics. Yeah. So that's alleyooppodcast.com. So. And you can get that on iTunes. ITunes as well? Yeah, on iTunes okay. and uh, all, the, all the other stuff. And Twitter? Twitter is just at Paul Morrissey. Okay. Uh, so that's M-O-R-R-I-S-S-E-Y. So I actually, yeah, I wasn't good at Twitter, but um, I went from like... 
up to I think I'm up to like thirteen thousand people. So I don't know where they That's are. That's good. But uh, I, but I talk to them once there in a while go. now. Right right on. Well, thanks, Paul. We well, thank you guys so much by. for having yeah. me. Out. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, thank you man. for coming down, man. Very yeah, cool. Get ready to try and shower the filth off. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. This is Michelle Shaughnessy. You can find me on Twitter at, at Michelle's Funny. You are listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin on Sirius XM Radio. Proving once again cats are smarter than humans, this is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Hey, everybody. Welcome back from the break. And that was Paul Morrissey uh, from Los Angeles. That was a great uh, conversation. We actually talked to him for about another uh, 20, 25 minutes afterwards. I think uh, the tapes were rolling. And so we might include his Rob Zombie story yes. at the airport uh, as a part of the uh, podcast later on. And also, I think on, I believe on the podcast, we're going to include the Michael Gelbart interview from yep. uh, the, the Winnipeg, Winnipeg Comedy, Comedy Festival. Festival. Yeah. Uh, and we were uh, talking about just border issues. That's how the whole Rob Zombie thing came up. And uh, for American friends uh, who don't realize how different it is, if you're an American comic and you want to come to Canada and perform, you just pay a small visa payment, and it's not a big deal. You get a, a basic paperwork job, and that's it, and you're through and you can go. But for Canadians to go to America to perform, you have to get something called an O-1 or a special visa, which is a very large process, and it's not very easy to do. So whenever Canadians cross the border, especially comics, we're always nervous because if they Google us or, uh, you know, find out what we do, we always have to justify while we're going to the States. Now, Dave, you were saying that you've had some some problems. We were talking this afternoon. Oh, well, what? Which one's the, uh, there was the, oh, well, the I, we mentioned that in the uh, Rob Zombie chatter later on that will be a part of the podcast, but um, what which uh, I'm always... There's a sound effects machine well, the, that I used to have uh, yeah, on the I show. Mean, I pulled it out once or twice, and uh, one time I was going through, uh, and, and, you know, I know, just like the guy that caught me sho- uh, potentially shoplifting, that they have shitty jobs, and they want to keep their jobs. And Every right. once in a while they have to be like, hey, look what I accomplished here at my job. And so I had this sound effects machine, and it was in my uh, carry-on bag, and it was just making burping and farting noises all by itself, <laughs> like on its lonesome, the sh- shit inside of it was like shit back and forth, so it was this constant, like, <laughs> coming yeah. out of it. And uh, so the guy stopped me, and he takes out this thing, and he was like, he was like, what is this for? And I, and I, I know better than to go into pointless detail about shit that doesn't matter at the border anymore, so uh, I just said, it's a sound effects machine, and uh, and uh, he was like, well, why do you have it here? And they said, well, <laughs> on, the, on the package it said it can be fun at parties and in public situations. And he just looked at me in a very stern way, just like, don't use it on the plane, sir. And then I was just put it in my bag. And I was like, has it ever been an issue of just like, I don't know, just people, have, you're all four people having fun on planes, though. I'm and not hey, losing I'm, their jobs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Harlem shakes and yeah, shit Yeah, the like Harlem that. shake and all that. People oh. don't want to have fun in their jobs. But you're all against it. You're Mr. Hey, do your job. Well, yeah, I am. When you're yeah. on a fucking plane, you're yeah. flying places. Sure. 
Um, did you have any uh, last-minute uh, comments? We uh, lost the guy from Glee, who I could give two shits about. Well, but, I, uh, I don't want to go that far. It's not that I don't give two shits about him. The guy died. I mean, he wasn't a horrible human being. He wasn't, like, crushing that we know skulls, over. you know? Uh, you know, he's... Um, Someone had a drug history, and he was in rehab at one period of time. So obviously, people think he, you know, relapsed, and that might be the reason he died. But you don't know. Do you think it's important for them to say what drugs he was doing? No. Why not? Well, what does it matter? Sure, it does. Sure, it to matters. Who, well, because I mean, uh, someone could be like, "Oh, he was." Well, I guess the fact is that he's dead. That's the important right. part that he's yeah. dead. So does it matter what drugs he was doing? Yeah. I guess not at this point. But I mean, I think it makes you a difference if he your was own like, question. Uh, if he was like, um, you know, smoking pot or uh, freebasing coke or something like that. I think that's a big difference between two things. I don't know. I just don't think I need to know that much detail on why he died. No, know? but then again, why do we need to know that Trayvon was handling a pack of Skittles? That was just like one campaign that I thought the Skittles people wish, really wish that they weren't a part of. <laughs> yeah. Of it just, was like M&M's and E.T. Remember, you know, that whole fiasco? Reese's Pieces and E.T. No, no. They first went to M&M's and they were turned down. So they went to Reese's Pieces. And the person who turned them down supposedly at M&M was fired because look at what happened with Reese's Pieces. That kicked off the whole uh, the whole thing. <laughs> well, well, it, it became a, a candy that everybody wanted to eat before that. Barely anyone ate that or knew about it. Why would you turn? Why would M&M's turn that down? Because who knows? They, you know, Space uh -huh. Alien, some weird movie. Movie, you know, they don't know. They yeah, thought they were maybe above being in a movie or something. I, I have no idea. Uh, it was back in the day before there was a lot of sponsorships like and movie and product and placement. We're talking in the 80s. There wasn't a lot of that shit. There wasn't a lot, but it was subtle. I mean, I remember in Superman 2, he throws one of the... Uh, uh, I don't know if it was General Zod, but in Superman 2, Christopher Reeves throws the guy right into like a, the side of a Marlboro truck. Right. And it was just so obviously. Just, I think even back then. I think they're then, more subtle now. I think back then, I bet they probably had to pay Marlboro to be able to use it. Whereas now, companies are jumping to, you know, to do it the other way. They're paying for their stuff. being. I bet back then they had to get the right to do it. And maybe I would, I would be interested to know. But see, but now it's like I'll watch a TV show. And if I see someone go up to the bar and go, hey, I'll have a beer. Yeah. And then they get a beer. That's sort of breaks the fourth wall to me of just like what a bullshit show why right. couldn't you know they just give a couple of bucks to coors or coors will give them a couple of bucks sure. and just say hey i'll have a coors right. and it's not like i'm gonna be like well this is bullshit i mean we're all i mean it's such we're all such a fucking sponge for uh name dropping and and corporations and shit like that now and well, i don't think people will hold it against a show because they said coors or stofers think, or something like that i think zimmerman when he got the uh not guilty verdict he probably said to him hey where are you gonna go and he's like i'm gonna go to denny's <laughs> <laughs> or, well, I, I, I always say the sweetest. Wherever the black people don't get good service, that's yeah. where I'm going. <laughs> Denny's and Paula Deen. Yeah. The, uh, but uh, I always think the sweetest. I bet he, I wonder if he's like, the sweetest Skittles are the ones you take from a dead black kid. Oh, those must be the sweetest Skittles <laughs> there's, there there's are. The, there's the slogan Skittles needs to take on. Yeah. Well, it was like, remember when there was a uh, shooting in Toronto and there was like some woman that had a, she was, uh, she was shot in the spine, paralyzed, a uh, horrible story, but they kept on mentioning the fact that she was in front of California sandwiches, right. which was like a like a what is it, uh, chicken parmesan and veal parmesan sort of sandwich place. Yeah, and then every time they mentioned it, they would always say she was in front out of California sandwiches, and it was just one of these ridiculous details that like no yeah, one like needs it to know. Yeah, yeah, and no one was like, oh well, what kind of sandwich was she getting, or like yeah. what kind of skittles were they? It what could just, California sandwiches have done so it yeah, didn't happen again? Yeah. yeah, just say that she was getting some food. I right. don't need to know. You know, have you ever watched some avoid? of the, like the videos on YouTube of like shit going down at McDonald's and fights and it's crazy, man. <laughs> some of the YouTube clips you can pull up. Have you seen some of them? Well, they, and they all happen at like 
two or three in the morning. Yes, where, they do. where I don't, I don't want to say that McDonald's is asking for crazy shit well, to happen. Yeah. Two o'clock in the morning, only one thing's going down. Drunk well, fucking people want their food quick. Well, yeah, drunk fucking people that are gonna fucking look at anyone who's like, hey. I'm keeping my eyes on my fries, and I'll punch someone in the face if they yeah. don't. But um, did you have a much of a response from the Zimmerman trial? What did you think of? No, I mean I didn't know. To be honest, uh, the last six months I've been so busy doing so much stuff that I did not dedicate enough time to read the facts to form an opinion. Right. Um, I read all the Facebook statuses, and I feel that some people did take the time to do that right. and, and base their opinion. But I think Most a people lot didn't. of people <laughs> just read some highlights and went, "Hey, that kid was going after a black kid, and that's wrong." And some people were like, ah, no, I don't think enough people read both sides. To make I just, a, an I just think that that stand your ground law is so vague, and yes. self defense well, is so course, vague yeah. in that situation. And it seems like every state in the United States is its own little country with its own little laws. Yes, and that you know, someone in Illinois is going to look at California, Florida, and go, I can't believe it. But it's like California, like Florida is the only one that has that stand your yes. ground. And it's like, uh, you know, you it's. A lot of uninformed people were giving their opinions, yeah. and because we kind of feed people like these sh- stupid facts of like Skittles and iced tea, and he was wearing a hoodie, yeah. that people sort of jump on that as evidence why it shouldn't have happened, and they keep on going like, he shot an unarmed man. Well, first of all, I doubt Trayvon ever said, I'm unarmed, and I also don't think that, like, you can't look back at something afterwards and said he was unarmed, but he didn't, George Zimmerman never knew whether he was unarmed yeah, or yeah, not. I know. It's just, uh, I don't know, I think the right verdict was uh, was called in. Do I think that uh, now, he did should... you read a lot of the evidence and go over a lot of the timeline and and yeah. some of the stuff you, well, you I, took I, the time? I I, I I watched the trial on TV and right. I listened to like a lot of talk radio and stuff. Okay, I mean most of my a lot of my opinions are formed from Anthony Cumier from uh, Opie and Anthony, but it's like I agree with most of the stuff that he said, and, and uh, it's like uh, you know what. Trayvon should have just gone home, and he shouldn't have punched that guy in the face and 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 tackled him and started to ground and pound. And uh, right. and and yes, of course, George Simmons should have stayed in his car, yeah. and uh, he should have just gone to Target. But you know, he called the cops on white people that he thought were breaking in, and Hispanics and blacks before. And I just, uh, I just don't, think, I don't think anybody did the right thing. Uh, I think he profiled and, and he profiled and like I said, wrong. I didn't. I did not read enough of the. But from the limited stuff I did read, it just seemed like nobody was doing the right thing at any moment. Well, I'd like to see who what case and uh, Nancy Grace is going to try to suck off next. I just think the media is just as responsible for. And I got big issues with uh, the court of public opinion. And I know that we have media bans in, in Canada, and I think that sometimes those are for the best because yes. you want justice to be put out there. Yes. And as far as you know, it's just instead uh, of sound bites and altering. T- like you said about the 911 well, thing the we N- talked N- about earlier. NBC fucked it up. Yeah. Uh, fuck. All that shit, it adds to the court of public uh, appeal, and it's not oh, the right opinion, thing. Yeah, opinion, right. It's not the right thing. Well, and you, you're just getting more and more uninformed uh, people that are going to lash out and throw, right. like, you know, garbage pails through windows, and they're going to get pissed off and stuff, so... All right. Well, that is uh, that is this week's show. We do want to thank Jody Middick from uh, Amazing Race Canada for uh, coming uh, or doing the phone or off the top. And also, uh, I really enjoyed our conversation with Paul Morrissey from Los Angeles. Hopefully, uh, when he comes back in six or eight months, he'll come back on the show. That'd oh, yeah. Fun. And he does have a CD. Uh, uh, Paul Morrissey's back uh, okay. that uh, you can, I'm sure you, if you get on iTunes, you can look for it. And you can get it on iTunes. And next week, uh, uh, you are going to be on the East Coast. September, uh, sorry, July 20th. I'm at the Rod Hotel on PEI. 
and September 20th in Sudbury at Little Montreal. And then uh, next Wednesday, um, Amanda Brooke Perrin will be in studio and uh, Norm Souza from that show, uh, Don't Try This at Home. And uh, we're going to try to uh, fit in the Dan, inter- the Dan Lee Cop interview that we did uh, off in Winnipeg. So uh, that's the end of the show. I'm going to be in Colburg this weekend with Amanda Brooke Perrin and uh, Christina Walkinshaw there on Saturday. Uh, but that's it. Thank you for listening. And uh, until next time, uh, you know, just uh, be cool, everybody. Yeah. Bye. Don't eat Skittles. <laughs> this is Skittles forever. Justice for Skittles. That's it for this week. Anything Goes wants to thank Victoria for producing the show and George Westerholm for the music used. Follow the hosts on Twitter at Comedy Whore at Dave Martin World. Download new episodes every week on iTunes. Join the Facebook group and follow the show on Twitter at Anything Goes Hot. Anything Goes helps you laugh, cry, and learn something. Come back next week. And until then, take it easy. Hey, everybody, this is the bonus material on the Anything Goes podcast. Uh, In this uh, episode, uh, Paul Morrissey, who we had on earlier uh, in the episode, uh, he's going to be telling his uh, Rob Zombie story uh, of him getting stopped at the airport with Rob Zombie in front of him. And uh, we have a couple of laughs about that. And also uh, attached to this episode is we have the interview with the Raccoon Lady documentary person to it. But this is the Raccoon Lady interview. Uh, She did a a documentary about raccoons, and uh, I was a little inebriated in the uh, studio that day. And I suppose in in Darren's eyes, I get, uh, you know, I get a little bit, uh, I don't know. I don't know. What what do you call it? Norm, what do you call it when a guy, like when you are very confrontational with someone? Uh, Acoustic or acute? Not a, a, uh, you accost them. You know, I accost them. I might have accosted her a little bit about the whole purpose and significance of uh, raccoons. Let me just make, can we still keep rolling for this? Okay, so just for two or three minutes. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah. What is like? I I remember hearing just the the beginnings of it. And... Uh, well, basically, so I was going through customs, and I'm always worried, you know, because I'm yeah. and I'm a regular looking white guy, and I figure. This is the one time I don't have to worry about stuff, you know. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You hope, yeah. you think. I got my paperwork. I don't, I don't have any problems. And then you, and then I see, like Rob Zombie in customs, <laughs> and it's like, and everyone always says, "You sure it was him?" It's like, there's no, yeah, 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 there's no yeah. days off for Rob Zombie. Yeah, every day is Halloween for this <laughs> yes. guy. So it's like you know he's got the hat with the skull on it, and, <laughs> yeah. and animals the running through hair. his beard and everything, yeah. and, and you know Gene Simmons boots, you know, and and. Uh, so he just walks up and he's just like, uh, and the and the funny thing is I kind of know I don't know him, th- but Tom Papa is really good friends with him and okay. he actually directed two of Tom Papa's comedy specials. Oh, Rob okay. Zombie did. Wow. And he also just um, he got the rights to that Broad Street Bullies book, so he's gonna make like a pretty big time hockey movie as okay. well. Okay. So he, he has all these other interests. So I actually was gonna try to talk to him afterwards, and then. And then he just, you know, goes up to <laughs> customs, and you're just like, oh, shit, there's no way. This is going to end up on TMZ yeah, now. Yeah, this take guy the boots just, off. Take yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And, and he's got no paperwork at all, like nothing. <laughs> like, he did have a passport, but I almost thought he was just going to, hey, I'm just Rob. Look yeah. at my tattoos. Just coming to yeah. do a show. And, of course, I'm like, well, 
I don't even know if he's here, but, but that literally that night he's he's doing the Molson Amphitheater. Yeah, so yeah. it's like he's just showing up with just nothing. Yeah, I got a, a suitcase to go to Absolute Comedy, <laughs> and so so he like he he's like, hey, I'm just uh, here doing a show tonight, and the guy's like, do you have any papers or where? He's like, no, nah, there's just some guy who's gonna pick me up, <laughs> and so they just let him right through. And then I get through, and I've got my papers, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, all organized. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, okay, we're going to have to ask you to come in the back. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in the secondary thing for yeah. like 20 minutes. I was yeah. like, did you see the guy from the Monsters that, <laughs> that walked through here? <laughs> that was like, I when I told that story to Darren, I was like, I, it reminded me of the time that both Darren and I did the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. If you get a chance, it's like one of the best. Oh, yeah? It is a great festival. Oh, yeah. they, they treat comics amazing there. Yeah. And... Uh, but when we're uh, going back from Winnipeg to Toronto, there's like guys that are at the uh, the security checkpoint, like to when your bags get scanned. And there's like a guy there that saw the show the night before, right. and he was like, "Oh, hey, man, you were great at the show last night. That yeah. was amazing." I was like, "Oh, okay, great." And I'm like, "Oh, well, I'm gonna get to go right by. Of course, he saw me." And then he was like, "Nick, can you take off this, this, and this? Do you have any other medals on you?" I was just like. I was just like, what a shitty sleeper cell for Al-Qaeda that would be. <laughs> of like, yeah, we want you to go underground for yeah. a good 10 years and pretend yeah. that you're a comedian, and then you're going to come out, and then uh, you're going to bomb Winnipeg. Hey, yeah. they saw Argo. They're yeah. not messing around. Any shit can yeah. happen. <laughs> the American a, version of Argo. There was another time, too. I was remember I was going through, and I had a box of CDs, and then the guy asked me, uh, what, what, what are these CDs? What's in this box? And I was like, oh, they're CDs. Landmines. And then he was like, what kind of CDs? I was like, they're comedy CDs. <laughs> Are they all the same kind of comedy CDs? Like, who's on them? I was like, oh, well, I'm a comedian, and uh, I'm going to give these CDs away for free where I'm going, and, and they're my, uh, they're, they're, it's my comedy on the CDs. And there was this long pause. He kind of stared at me, and he was like, well, you know, Bob Hope died? And I was just like... <laughs> And Bob Hope had, like, died, like, a week before. I was like, well, yeah, no, I knew that Bob Hope died. And I was just like, where is this fucking going? And you do get that guilt. That's what I was saying. Like, if you just ask me enough questions, like, all right, it's cocaine. I got a a gun. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. Oh. All right, we're done. Okay, thanks. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Okay, there, uh, that was uh, Paul Morrissey. Now we're going to go on to the raccoon lady. Listen to her. Hi, this is K. Trevor Wilson. You're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost on XM Radio's Laugh Attack. Keep laughing. Still waiting for the bestiality videos to get their own category at the Adult Video Awards. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. Okay, we're back from the break, and this week's uh, one of our first guests is a very interesting individual. Uh, Myself and Dave, we love documentary films, and we eat them up like candy. And so this week we wanted to change the pace a little bit and have someone come in. And I wanted to go to all Gian Gameshi CBC Radio on you, so I wanted to read a little bit about what the documentary is. It's called Raccoon Nation, and it's in an effort to outwit raccoons. Are we pushing their brain development and perhaps even sending them down a new evolutionary path? That's the question explored in Raccoon Nation, a compelling one 
one-hour documentary premiering on CBC's Nature of Things on February 24th at 8 p.m. on CBC, and it's going to be replayed March 3rd on CBC News World. We are happy to introduce and bring into the show Susan Fleming is here. How are you, Susan? Hello, good. Susan. How are you? And first of all, let me just say that I'm not going to be truly worried about raccoons taking over until one of them tries to add me on fa- uh, on Facebook. So uh, <laughs> until that happens... Have you checked your status? <laughs> every day. Every day I check <laughs> right. my status, and it is still complicated. Well, they are hibernating right now. So oh, are they? Wait okay. Yeah. Wait for the spring. I'm going to get lucky. I'm going to get some me some raccoon tail. <laughs> so oh. did something happen to you as a child from with a raccoon, or was it just something happened to you in your house? Like, why did you choose the, the topic of, of raccoons and the what's going on it's, with it's them? It's a tragic story, really. Uh, no, um, uh, I have a tragic story about a raccoon <laughs> oh, do you? as a child. Yeah, Mine's not tragic. It's actually more fascination. I live in the country, and where okay. I'm from, we don't see raccoons. I mean, okay. you see the butt of a raccoon escaping up a tree as you're approaching in the forest, maybe once a year. That's the most you see. And when I come into Toronto, they're everywhere. They're on people's garages watching me when we're having barbecues in my friends' backyards. They're, you know, in their garbage cans. They're everywhere. And I started to wonder, why do I not see them where I live? And I see them everywhere in the city. And when I started to do research, I found out that, you know, in terms of behavior, city and country raccoons are two very different creatures. Right. City raccoons are fatter, aren't they? They're fatter, they're lazier. And they're more pretentious. They hate traffic. I mean, that's yeah. why they, they live in the city. They don't want to go out in the burbs. They don't want to do that driving in and out every day. They write poetry. Yeah. <laughs> go to they, go, they, go to, they go to Starbucks. They're assholes. Pay too much. Yeah. Complain about it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're, we're in the country. You just don't see them. And they don't get heart disease and diabetes and all of the things that city raccoons, raccoons do. Raccoons get diabetes? Is just that like, an issue? Just like us. Yeah. It shortens their lifespan. I mean, they're more similar to us than most people realize. Well, well, you know, much as you might say that it shortens the lifespan of a raccoon, but at the same time, why do I care about that? As Just as much as I care, why do I care about prisoners smoking in jail and that sort of shortens their lifespan? Um, well, I think one thing that'll make you care about it is that we are similar to raccoons in many ways. Well, and we have thing, five fingers. We have five fingers. And, and we both eat out thumbs. of the garbage can. <laughs> and we both eat out of the garbage can. I mean, the Me reason, and Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> the okay. reason we're able to rule the world is because we can eat anything and go anywhere, and so can raccoons. Well, also, I think we can kill from a distance, which separates us from raccoons. Well, that's well, that's true, but only with you know weaponry. Well, that's uh, that's but, what makes us the smartest. Or, or perhaps dolphins just haven't the figured deadliest. that shit out yet. Okay, <laughs> but when they do, look out. Yeah, when you see a dolphin, Greenland's not going to exist yeah. for long. Yeah, when Shamu gets a sawed-off shotgun, <laughs> let's start worrying. <laughs> But I think we do need to care about raccoons because they live alongside us so closely. I mean, in a city like Toronto, there's up to 150 uh, raccoons living per square kilometer. There's 50 times more living in the city per square kilometer than there are in the countryside where I live. Okay. So you do have to care because they're everywhere. And- well, first of all, I'm not a pessimist like Dave. I do care about raccoons, and I'll tell you why I care. is because living in the city and having a house, they're in my backyard taking craps all the time. They're in my garbage can well, all she- the time. Like I even bought that special thing to go on the top of my, my green bin, and they have figured out how to open that up. They're no. unbelievably intelligent. No, in, and they- in, in Darren's defense, they're, they're leaving craps. They're not taking craps. But, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, no, no. Now, would you would you go as far as to say that we have domesticated raccoons to a certain degree? 
No, actually, that was what was fascinating. These are truly wild creatures. Okay. And we forget that because they live so close to us. But and we they always, look so cute. And, and they're so yeah, cute. But sure. we really just see a tiny fraction of their life. And the fact that they've maintained their wildness and they've learned how to exploit out, figured out your garbage can yeah. and how to get into attics. And that's one of the things we really explore in the film is how, do, how have they learned how to exploit us? And partly it's that we play into um, their world or their abilities. Our world is based on things you can do with your hands. And that's what they have. They have great hands. They can mm-hmm. get into things. Um, so when we try to outwit them, we try to put things on our garbage cans right. or put things in front of, you know, the hole in our attic so they yeah, can't right. get in. Well, they'll just rip that off. Yeah. I mean, you really have to go at it in a completely different way. And we went to Germany in the film and because they have a major raccoon problem. They imported them in the 30s. to. Um, Why would they import them? To amuse hunters. Oh. Wow! And, uh, yeah, those German hunters. And then the or- and the raccoons got organized, <laughs> and they developed they developed their own political system, and more of a national socialized political system. <laughs> well, the they, raccoons in Germany they overran the place. Oh. Yeah, and it, um, that sounds familiar. Oddly <laughs> enough, there's a city called Kassel in central Germany. Oh, okay, with the ugliest castle I've ever seen. Sorry, and um, it uh, it has more raccoons than anywhere else in Europe. And but the Germans have come up with all these ingenious devices to keep them out of your house, and they really work. So I think. People are going to be taking notes when they watch the film. Also, didn't you all, like have um, night vision with the, for the raccoons? Like, it, what did you do? Did you put the little helmets on them? How did you do that? No, we shot with um, a high definition infrared. It was right. really it's really cutting edge stuff. So we could be out filming, you know, five backyards away, not affecting behavior in any way, and watching them come back to your garbage can right. night after night and slowly figure it out. Um, which was fascinating, just just really see how their brains work, and then watch a mom pass on that knowledge to her young. Right, uh, through like so, some crib notes or something. <laughs> no, well, we followed a family um, over the course of the summer, and she really does teach them the ways of her world. Well, one, one of the things world. one of the things that I found fascinating by uh, watching what little of the documentary I could watch uh, was that you you say that raccoons do have very long term memories. Yes, and they they are the kind of creature that that they will attempt to do something. And then they will come back and the next night, and then they will still attempt. But they, but they learn from their knowledge. They learn from they the process of repeat. Yeah, they build on their knowledge, which makes them formidable. Right, exactly. And then they all—they are—they are five finger beings, and they can—they can open up, and they can use tools if they wanted to. Well, not, they don't use tools, but you know what I'm saying. But they—but they have the knowledge to keep their uh, their uh, just what? arsenal going. Yeah, right, right, right. But they don't—they don't have opposable thumbs. Many people think they do. So, like in terms of opening things up, they operate no one can see me with my thumbs but um they operate with just really like the four fingers hold, they, hold your hands closer to the microphone people, <laughs> maybe people will see you um, but what they use is their butts they're built like a sumo wrestler oh, okay. so more often than not they would be fiddling with something get it to a point and then they just knock it over with their ass oh smash it right so right it yeah was, it Darren, was really, Darren's done that before yeah, <laughs> yeah. For sure, many times. That's how we get the Christmas nuts open. <laughs> this walnut's tough. Give it to Darren. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. The Wait, opening presents at your house yeah, must exactly. be fun Christmas yeah. morning. <laughs> but one of the things that I thought was fascinating about your documentary, you uh, you attach a, uh, a cameras as collars onto the raccoons, and you follow, and so you're able to track their territory. We didn't attach cameras. We actually attached the, uh, the, radio uh, okay. signals, and um, the callers act as a hard drive, too, so they store all the information. Now, so we actually got pinpoints what, what, if, for So every, if you lost one for six months, and there'd be just like, there'd be, no, like it's keeping stuff? For the, it could yeah, keep? it's keep because we could download, if we could get slight, uh, 
Sightline, we could download the information. But like Wi-Fi kind of thing? Yeah. Oh, wow. they're always under buildings and, you know, in things. It's hard to, that's why it's never been done before. So if a raccoon it, went off to Vegas or something yeah, like that and, like, I mean. lost yeah. all the savings on... Hangover 3, that's the, what, like the camera. The egg nest from Lost in America. We'd, we'd know it all. Yeah. Um, and it was amazing because we got over 1,500 points. Like every five minutes we got a reading of where they li- where they were. So for the first time, we actually, these scientists from New York University, Mark Dupuy Desormeaux and Suzanne McDonald, tracked where these raccoons were going in a city. And it's never been done before because they're so difficult to track. They go in sewers. They go under buildings. Um, so this was the first study that's ever done that. And they found out remarkable stuff. And we had complete access to it for the film, which was great. Now, now one thing, maybe, maybe you could just tell us sort of like, uh, why should someone care about the longevity of raccoons and why should someone and like can you can you explain it from both sides why should someone care about keeping the raccoons around and can you see it from someone else's perspective of like raccoons knocking their trash over all the time why should why should we not get rid of them man uh, no i completely get it i completely get it um well why we should care is that it's a, you know it, their existence and our existence are tied in some degree in that you know they could be the canary in the coal mine um that they're getting all the diseases we're getting. They're they're being affected by city life like we are. So there's something to be learned there for sure. And that's something we explore in the film. Um, why we should care is also that, you know, they're, they're a fascinating wild creature that lives alongside us and is highly intelligent. Um, so they're, they are no longer used for things like research studies. But they're certainly, you know, worth watching. Um, they're, they're an animal, Dave. Why are you? I don't understand how you're well, so... Well, no, I guess, what, I guess what I'm saying is that a lot of people have arguments about when it comes to, like, feral cats. So just the fact that we we have domesticated these animals and right. so we have brought them into our own world. So some in some ways that we are kind of responsible for taking care of them because we, we have domesticated right. them. Well, we haven't and domesticated what, raccoons. Exactly. They, they're now domesticating us. Like I know, they're moving ex- into our environment. Right, exactly. Now, 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 the fact that they are encroaching on our territory, they're taking our wives, they're taking our jobs. <laughs> Who knows where the fuck they're from? I'm hearing the shotgun get loaded. Right. <laughs> They're, so it's like they're coming on to yeah. our... They took my like eight-month-old like, baby for three weeks Exactly. Once. Like, why the hell am I fighting over in Afghanistan if some <laughs> raccoon can, can come over here and take Osado, Osama bin uh, oh, Hussein? Oh, he's going for it now. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, but, so, like, no, like, tell me as, like... A fairly ignorant, um, um, partially inebriated uh, hack radio show host. Uh, why should I give it two shits about a raccoon uh, living or, or dying? Oh, God. Um, wow. Well, I think you should care because all living things have a right and a value. And exactly. Actually, we don't actually, even no, they know don't. what their value is in the whole food chain. Well, they can't, really, we they don't can't write it down on paper. Well, there hasn't been put enough, it in an email, <laughs> raccoon. There hasn't been enough studies done on them because they're highly individualistic and they're really hard to study. So I think, like many things in this world, we don't really know that whole Elton John circle of life thing. And um, so they should, you, you, you know, they're worth, they're worthy of life because they're here and we're here and we got to learn how to share the planet. But I mean, they, but they are encroaching on our space. We've encroached <laughs> on theirs too. Well, okay, yes, but you could say that about some the, women in your life have coached your space, Dave. We don't take them outside with a shotgun and get yeah, rid of them. But when's the last time a raccoon gave you a blowjob? So, well, there we go. Way to go, Dave. Sorry, I had to go there, but you this could to. be a training exercise. But, so, <laughs> but you, well, we should in, we should care about raccoons what? because we have invaded on their space. We have, and they're they they you know it's not like they have no no value. They eat yeah. a lot of dead stuff. Um, well, you know, raccoons in the wild. 
are very good at being raccoons in the wild. And the thing that's happening is that raccoons in the city are now very good at being raccoons in the city. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if they weren't eating a lot of the dead stuff, if the raccoons in the wild weren't eating crayfish, who knows how all of that circle will come back. So um, I don't have an answer for you because I don't know. But I also am not completely sure what bears do. But I don't think we should get rid of all of them either. Uh, uh, bears show up at a bar on Church Street every once in a while and try to pick up other bears just like them. But that's another story. <laughs> or another Tales from but, the Riverbank. But the whole, the whole thing is, to me, it's like it, I understand people's upset with raccoons. The one thing I don't like personally is this whole idea that if you do catch a raccoon, let's say it's in, in your space and it's in your attic, if you catch it, there are these rules that you can only let it go within a certain distance from your house. Like you can't take it up north to bury and just set it free so it's in the, in the wild and it's not in this domesticated area. There are rules and stipulations for that and I think sometimes that might upset people. I know that kind of bothers me a little. I know. But, I think the rules are kind of bizarre. Right. But I know why they're in place. I mean, they have to be in place because if you start one, it, city raccoons and country raccoons are very different animals in terms right. of behavior. So if you take your city raccoon up to the country, it's no, I understand die. that. And if it's the um, mother to kids, then you're killing a whole chain. Yeah, I understand. All I'm it's, saying is, it's even though I understand also the rule, spread. like if it has rabies and now they can't track what's going on because they're right. being moved all over. Um, but they're. Uh, um, you know, it, the whole idea that you have to, um, to release it within one kilometer right. is for those reasons. That said, I can see why there would be frustration. In um, a place like Chicago, you release it within 100 meters or you, or you, die. you kill it. Those are the options. Really? Are you serious? So, so can you they, kill a raccoon in Chicago and it's okay? Well, age not people, but you you know, you bring in these services. Okay, that so you do can't this. choke it with your bare hands. No, you wouldn't okay. want to do that. You are such a killer over there. Um, but that's because they don't really want you to release it again. Um, oh. and but we don't have those kind of rules. And I so the rules are different. In but different so in parts Chicago, is there is it almost to the point where Toronto, like I've re I read that Toronto's the number one we're the raccoon capital right, of the world. But it is Chicago getting there and that's why they stipulated these rules or they're just from get-go they're like you know what we don't want to get anywhere near Toronto well the numbers are high but not as high as ours but right. the numbers are high in Chicago and you I'm think not, that's why maybe they maybe that is why I mean it they're also American so they're you know yeah right firmer it's, on that whole right, of course yeah uh, but uh, it is it is very different and it's different in different places I mean I was with monks in the temples of Japan you know Buddhist monks who killed them on sight? Right. Um, how do they how do they do that? They trap them and they give them a shot right away. Well, a hammer? Or yeah. Like a shot of what? Uh, Jägermeister um, or what? How do they do it? <laughs> no, like a deadly shot. Of uh, what? I don't know the drug. They this clear liquid. Oh, it's a drug. Oh, a drug. Oh, oh, like I, a thought drug. Meant, I thought you meant like they hammer it or something. <laughs> no, or no, shot they or give something. them a needle. Yeah. A, oh. a needle to the right solar away, plexus. And that's it, what they And did. they're killed. So they have a oh, zero man. in Japan where we were filming in the temples right. of Kyoto. They have a zero tolerance. Yeah, well, that's Japan. They don't care about the dolphins. I'm sure you've seen the cove. Yes. Give me a break. Two Japanese people have for some reason. Or round eyes. Now, one of the things that you mentioned in your. Yeah, that you said that raccoons originally uh, come uh, came from the tropics. Now, how is that possible? Well, you know, everything has to start somewhere. So they well, come from the tropics and the subtropics, and they've moved northward. And but it's now, an who, amazing... who moved them northward? They Did they come themselves. on ships? Were they chained and they had partners? And... <laughs> yeah. No, I, they, we got um, them to do menial jobs that we didn't yeah. want to do ourselves. Yeah. Like Things go through that the trash. didn't require an opposable thumb. Um, I, uh, they just they moved northward. It was sort of a natural progression over you know thousands of years. And I don't, thousands, thousands. I mean, wow. they've been around for forty thousand years. 
Well, that's longer, than not, us. that's longer than Canadians. Not, maybe they should be running us. No, not they, according they to the might Bible. Be according to him. Yeah. Yeah. Not according to the Bible. But well. so they came from the they came from the tropics. Yes. And they now can I ask you now how, did, how what's the uh, where did the main coon cat come from? Now was that like someone told me that the, a, a raccoon fucked a cat and then that's where it. Uh, a raccoon had a sex with a cat, and that's how Maine Coon cats came to be. Were you drinking when they were telling you this? Probably. Yeah. Um, I, I have I have no You've idea. never heard of that before? No, never. Oh, maybe I might never. have made that up. <laughs> Dave. Okay. I was curious. You ever I, heard of I, a I zebra coon? A, a zebra coon? Is, what about one a, time a zebra had sex with a raccoon, and well, then it popped out a zebra coon? What are you? Ligers do exist, though. The liger, the uh, tiger and liger. No. Uh, the tiger and liger. No, lion you've makes, been reading Narnia no, books again. No, I've watched you've Napoleon been Dynamite. Narnia and, books. And, no, no, ligers okay, do exist. Okay, you're citing Napoleon Dynamite yeah, as, as the, being as a credible source. source? Yeah. Credible source, of course. Napoleon That's Dave's life story. Napoleon Dynamite and National Geographic. No, but ligers do exist. No, they don't. No, they don't, Dave. No. They actually, do. I have okay? heard that. They, they actually do. Okay. Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about it, not not, not so much raccoon oriented, but documentary oriented. Um, oriented. Um, I'm a huge fan of documentaries, and in the last say five years, there's been this kind of growing swell of I don't want to say anti Michael Moreness or in the documentary film world, but one of the things that uh, Michael Bohr has been Michael Bohr Michael Moore has been accused of oh, is Freudian. yeah I know yeah. exactly. Um, has been screwing with timeline. So I just want to explain to our listeners what that means. In a documentary, most of them are on a timeline and it moves forward. And as your job as a documentary filmmaker is just to film that and not affect that so you're screwing with the viewer's um, experience of the documentary. So Michael Moore has been accused of kind of screwing around with that. And I just wanted to talk a bit about that and what your feelings on that are or this kind of growing anti-Michael Moore sentiment that might be going as we talked earlier before the show started. Um, well, I think you have a huge responsibility in terms of when you're making a documentary film about staying true to your subject and really not losing sight of that. Mm -hmm. That said, you know, in terms of timeline, it, there is a certain amount of artistic license if, you know, if just because the birthday party happened three days before, if it fits in the storyline five days, you know, after that scene, you, you're, you're going to do that. I mean, you need to make this work as a sort of... a cohesive story that flows that develops your points but if you're doing it like slamming things together just for dramatic effect that you know aren't true um, right then i really have a problem with it but if you're just building your story and you move you're going to be moving things around all the time yeah, but, but uh, see i have an issue with that it's just like but then you're not really documenting you're almost creating a drama out well, of like actual real life situations it's sort of like you know i mean i like but do you feel that like you no know, when you entered into this raccoon documentary did you have an agenda did you want the viewer to walk away with your own personal opinion or did you want to have like some sort of a, a very a biased middle of the road sort of like where you tell an both unbiased. sides of the, an unbiased, unbiased sorry unbiased <laughs> unbiased right. they're the same to me but an unbiased sort of you would you would just sort of give the the facts and then you would let the viewer you say that, and I, of course, I'll say, oh yes, but we all have our own biases that come into play. What you choose to put in, what you choose not to put in. I mean, you, you know, you've got to police yourself. But it would be, you know, wrong of me to say that. No, I just, you just present the facts. The facts you choose to present are actually build the case you're trying to build, even if you're trying to be the most, you know, unbiased person possible. But I mean, what, what, what if at the last minute, putting this, editing this documentary together, you found like a fact that might f sort of overthrow the entire story behind the documentary that you were trying to present? Like, what if, what if there was a fact that... So well, then you actually, you know, the scary thing is in the age of internet and everything, um, and now communication is so fast, you don't dare not 
um, because you're, right. you know, it, it can be it, shut down very quickly out. then. Yeah, oh, right. It's, it's going to come out. I mean, you put that's the terror, actually, that you finish. And five days later, the greatest discovery is ever made because you missed it. And, you know, if you've already, you know, handed to the broadcasters, all you can do is just pray they'll put an addendum on because okay. um, it, life is changing too fast. I mean, mm-hmm. but timelines are weird things. I mean, people say, oh, but it's a documentary. And you think, but, you know, you need to be entertained and you, right. need, um, you need to tell a story in the, in the most kind of cogent way possible. Like, it's asking a lot. We're not just taking a camera and filming what happens in this room for the next year. Right. Um, and then playing it out. You have well, to edit we, we parts are, but out. Yeah, and, I understand. Yeah. You, you know, you have to edit parts out. You have to put parts in. You can't make pretend things happened in the room that they didn't. But I might put the interview from four days ago later than the one we're doing right now. I mean, all of right. that is part of building but the story. I think that, and this is my only my theory on it, I think it's people go after, say, Michael Moore uh, for that because he is purposely doing documentaries that kind of push buttons. And whenever you push someone's buttons, they want to run for whatever ammunition that they can have to try to discredit if you don't agree with what they're saying. See, for me, I don't care so much if you screw with timeline as long as you, A, admit it that you've kind of massaging it a bit. To me, it's a greater good if people are talking about the topic you're you're trying to get out there, like a sicko or Fahrenheit 9-11, right? Right. That's, that, the topics are more important than whether, like you said, the party happened first or second. It's whether we're coming out of there talking about this exact important issue. Yeah, and but, staying but, true to it. Like, that's right, a huge right, thing. Because right. you know what happened. As the filmmaker, you're usually often the only one who knows how all of these things went down. Right. And you have a huge responsibility to stay true to them. And that is stays in, like, trying to... You wouldn't move the party four days later if all of a sudden somebody said something at that party that makes them look like a complete jerk, but it wouldn't have four days before. Right, then right. Then you've done something right. you know, not fair. Right. And you, you have a huge responsibility to, for me, it's the the creatures that are in my film and the scientists that I work with right. to, to really be respectful and, and not make them say, do something they didn't do or say. No. Um, and that's the same for somebody like Michael Moore. I mean, you've got it, you know, whether you're doing it with scientists or, you know, the lady skinning rabbits, you've, you've just got to be respectful that she is who she is. Right. And you can show her in her own light, but you can't be putting things on her or sort of... Um, I, I have real problems when people don't respect the subjects who have been honest in how they present themselves no, no, right no, okay now, now I, I have a bit of, uh, of an issue with what you just said i mean both both you know you have respect for the scientists and the creatures and and darren doesn't have any issue with people manipulating timelines as long as they want to get their agenda across across but what do, what do you have to say to the people that that if this is the only form of education that they're going to get on this subject matter is through your documentary where you equally admit to the fact that you've manipulated timelines to uh, to further your agenda as a filmmaker. I say don't ever trust any, yeah. any single yeah. source. Come on. Okay. Not even yeah. me. Um, don't ever, like, that's crazy. I would never put my trust. But that said. Are you, I, are you creating a film to uh, educate or, uh, ups, and or, or? Educate and entertain. And educate, entertain. And, and, and has a responsibility to stay true to the subject. Right. And be honest about the subject. Okay. But does it really matter to you if the birthday party is like, Five minutes before. If it's gonna, film? if it's gonna change my opinion about whether the 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 right and wrongs of uh, uh, raccoon uh, domestication and uh, you know their welfare in, in our cities, then yeah, if you're no, but see, that's but, but, not staying true to a subject. See, but then, right. at the, but then at the same time, 
I think a lot of is a lot is put on my own shoulders as being the viewer, and if I want your documentary to be the only form of education that I have, but in the then you're a matter, fool. Then you're a fool because that's like blaming, uh, you know, teachers for saying one thing and not saying the other. Well, you know is I mean? that so wrong? No, but what I'm what I'm saying okay. is we never take one source. If you do, then you're a but fool. But many many people do. Many yeah, people but that's, just the, feed many into, people are a fool. In yeah, my but opinion. well, many people just watch Fox News and that's all the as, yeah. Of course, eh, they do. Bill O'Reilly said it, and Sean Hannity said that yeah. too, and that's okay by me. But we're but, we're really responsible for educating ourselves. Yeah. I know, I and know, but a lot of people don't do that. Tools like documentaries and news shows, and you can use all that, but then they have to. Like but it's I'm, just you know, it's not okay not to. But at the same, you know, I I love Michael Moore. I enjoy his movies, but then at the same time, I watch films knowing that when he told us about the rainbow coalition that's uh, fighting uh, against Afghanistan and uh, Iraq that I knew that he would I mean Michael Moore has admitted to manipulating timelines and he has admitted to uh, sort of leaving information out to further progress his agenda so I mean I guess a lot of it goes on my own shoulders if the only education I'm going to get about about a subject matter is watching your film anyone's film I mean anyone's film that's what I'm saying I mean there's every even when you're trying to even news reporters you're trying to be the most unbiased you can you're oh there's a lot of stuff that ends up on the cutting room table or cutting room floor and so there's always an opinion in there, even when you're trying not to. There's always an and opinion that's what in DVDs there. are for. That's yeah. what DVDs. Yes, well, the bonus that's features what, you know, are for. Bonus features. Getting a whole bunch, because still you're just getting that filmmaker, that team's perspective. Okay. That's what getting other news sources is for. You know, it, it's hard, like you said, everyone has a bias and, ev- and everyone does have an agenda, but sometimes there's uh, documentaries that, you know, obviously you may know their agenda or bias, but they do a very good job of showing both. And I do want to mention one that's called Lake of Fire. I don't know if you ever heard of Lake of Fire. It's, um, I can't remember, it's Tony Scott, I believe, is the director, and it's about abortion, and I am personally pro-choice, but when you watch this movie... I'm pro-abortion. Well, there you go. But if you watch this movie, uh, it really doesn't come across either side. It shows hard facts on both sides, and it really does make you question whether you would be pro-choice or would be pro-life or what your your, your agenda would be on that, and it does a very good job. So to me, if you're only using uh, documentaries as your, you know... Your education, there's you know, there's something wrong to begin with. But sometimes when they do get it right, at least they do show both sides, and that's what's important. And, that's and I think that is what you're saying: staying true to the subject yeah. and the people. And you know, whether you agree with it or not, you have to present it in a way that's respectful to them. Yeah, and I mean that's what we're all striving to do. You know, everyone who's you know trying to make good documentary films right. is really trying to present the evidence and let people make up their mind for themselves. But um, you know, that said, it, there, you know, there's always a bias in there somewhere with, even, as much as you police yourself. Right. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, and Dave was just getting going there. I know. Just getting going there on the, oh, and then the timeline. And Iraq, then, uh, Afghanistan? Afghanistan? I'm in, I'm in, Afghanistan. I'm in, I'm intellectually stupid. There we go. There we are. Uh, well, thank you very much, Susan, for coming in. We really appreciate it. Let me just uh, make sure I say this. It's going to be airing on February 24th at 8 p.m. on CBC on the Nature of Things. It's called Raccoon Nation, and it's re-airing March 3rd on CBC News World. Uh, please check it out. And if you do watch it and listen to this uh, either through our show or on podcast, please send us an email and let us know what you thought. Thank you, Susan, for coming in. It's on at 10 o'clock. Very, very much. 10 o'clock. Will it eventually be on demand? Will people be able to watch that? Uh, It's on CBC's website. Yeah. Oh, okay. We'll go to CBC's website. uh, You can download it and watch it. Okay, great. All right. Thank you very, very much for coming today. My pleasure. I love it. Bite the pillow. It's going in dry. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. 
Dave Martin and Kathleen McGee. Okay, that was the end of the Raccoon Ladies interview. I thought it was actually pretty funny. I don't think it mattered that I was uh, had a couple of beers in me. Uh, well, big fucking deal. You know what? Uh, anyways, uh, that's it for this week. Uh, stay tuned for uh, another show, another podcast next week, and uh, um, we will have the uh, just fucking just listen. <laughs>